The following is a President's Chapel given by Professor Joel Kim. For more information about this lecture or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474, wscal.edu, 888-480-8474. This morning, would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 12, Verses 1 through 6, Isaiah chapter 12. As we begin our new semester, I want to begin with a word of thanks to the Lord for his kindness to us, not because the circumstances are easy, but because he has been so faithful to us. So Isaiah chapter 12 declares, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you are angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. We recently, in January, had a faculty conference on the Synod of Dord. And on November 13, 1618, 82 delegates from the Reformed churches around Europe gathered in Dordrecht in the United Provinces, now called the Netherlands, to begin the first international synod of the Reformed churches. Until they completed their work on May 29, 1619, they met 180 times to answer the theological challenge of the day. The, the finished product was the Canons of Dort. Its summary is often referred to as the Tulip, or the Five Points of Calvinism, and we learned earlier this uh, year that we cannot summarize all of Reformed theology or Calvinism into five points, yet these were simply responses to many of the theological challenges before them. And we celebrated earlier this year and will continue to do so the 400th anniversary of that document and that synod. On the last day, I found out, they gathered at a local church to end the synod with worship. The preacher, Balthazar Lydias, actually preached from Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. That is, after months of difficult discussions that resulted in a unanimous approval of a document that has served the church so well, even to this day, what did the delegates have to say? Give thanks to the Lord. After describing the grace of God that is greater than his own sins and the sins of the nation, what did Isaiah have to say, he said, give thanks to the Lord. As we begin the midpoint of our year, another semester for many of you, many students that I saw yesterday simply were saying that yesterday was the last day of freedom before they were enslaved by the faculty again this year. Even with that prospect before you, what do we as the sons and daughters of God say? We give thanks to the Lord. We give thanks to the Lord because of the personal grace poured out upon us 
You will say, Isaiah says, the two sections of this song of praise are introduced by the phrase, you will say in verses 1 and 4. What will you say? Isaiah says, we will give thanks for what he has done for us. As verse 1 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Friends, it's easy for us to forget that you and I once had a problem. We were sinners, alienated from God, deserving wrath and anger from God. And Isaiah knows this personally. This particular passage completes the section in Isaiah that began with Isaiah chapter 6, a section that you and I know well when Isaiah was confronted with the holiness of God, leading to his own confession of unworthiness in chapter 5, verse 5. Chapter 6, verse 5, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Yet, yet God grants us grace greater than all our sins. Experienced by Isaiah, now all of us who depend on Christ for our standing before God. Apostle Paul describes the grace of God this way when he says in Romans chapter 5, Since therefore you have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God, he said. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, we were reminded. But it's not only about what he has done for us, it's also about what he is doing within us. As verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. I wonder if you see the repetition there. And hear the repeated phrase that he is my salvation, my strength. I will not be afraid. This verse opens and closes with a personal confession. God is my salvation. This is not a mere academic, theoretical, or distant discussion, but these are personal, practical, and effective. Paul once asked, also in the book of Romans, what then shall we say to these things, having described the insurpassable grace of God poured out for us in Christ Jesus? He put another way, how should people who receive love so amazing, so divine, that demands my soul, my life, my all, Respond. And Isaiah simply points out, we ought to trust without fear. Why? Not because of our confidence in our own abilities or our experiences or the certainties of what is to come. Simply because God is the strength and the song of our joy. This indeed is practical theology, where despite our theology of God, we often seek security and comfort in God plus whatever might make us feel better for the moment. But when the grace of God in our salvation becomes clear and real, we cannot but echo the words of Paul, if God is for us, who can be against us? We need to be reminded of his grace daily. As he speaks about the grace of God at work in him, Paul gushes that the grace of our Lord in 1 Timothy overflowed for me. Do you realize how undeserving we are that in Christ Jesus, God's grace 
overflows in us who once were blasphemers, persecutors, insolent opponent, as Paul describes himself. It's the grace of God that allows us to sing. But it's not only about the personal grace received, it's also about the proclaimed grace of God. You will say begins a new section, but there is a slight variation here that may not be readily apparent in English. In verses 3 and 4, the personal pronoun you is no longer a singular, but a plural. In other words, it really reads, as Dr. Telford might say, you all will say, y'all will say. For you see, to enter into salvation is an individual experience, as one of the commentators says, but to enjoy it is communal. Not just for us, but the community that the Lord has brought nearby. What is the proper response of God's grace in this community? On the one hand, we worship him together. Verse 3 says, with joy. Verse 4 says, praise the Lord, call upon his name. Verse 5 says, sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Verse 6 says, sing aloud and shout for joy. For you see, joy is at the heart of this worship, as Jesus asked that his disciples may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. As John 17 says, we worship him. For his grace has been poured out to me and to us. But it's not only that we worship together, we proclaim him together. The community of the saved not only gather to worship, but also to proclaim. To proclaim his name. The joy cannot be contained. It must be shared. It must be proclaimed. As verse 4 says, make his deeds known among the nations. Declare that his name is exalted. Verse 5 says, let this be known in all the world. No distinction. No differentiation. In all the world. For when Isaiah witnessed the holiness of God, deeply felt his worthlessness, and experienced the grace of the Lord, he immediately responded to the call of the Lord in chapter 6, verse 8. When he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah declares, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. In our present passage, this response is proper not only for Isaiah or any single individual, but the whole community of the saved. Here we are, send us. For lest we forget, the Lord sustains and flourishes Westminster Seminary, California, with a purpose. The school has a mission to make known his deeds among the peoples, to proclaim that his name is exalted, and to let his glorious deeds be made, may be, may be made known in all the earth, through you and through all those who walk these halls. Even as we gathered this morning, just looking at you here, this is the world coming to us. And after we're done here, whether it be two, three, four, maybe for some of you ten, here, once you're done, you will go out into the world, and that's how it should be. We do not exist for ourselves or our basic sustenance, but that in this institution, 
is the exalting of Christ's name taught and modeled so that you and I may go forth, not only to worship as a community, to proclaim and exalt his name on high, wherever the Lord places us. It's not only about the personal grace received, it's about this proclaimed grace that you and I have the responsibility to carry with us wherever we are, whatever we do. You're the aroma of Christ. You represent him wherever you go. And frankly speaking, you represent the institution as well, wherever you go. What you say, how you are, what you consider dear, all speak volumes about who you are and what you consider to be your priority. May the Lord be proclaimed through us, for we know that as we come to the end portion of Isaiah chapter 6, this is not only about our personal grace, not only about the proclamation of grace, it's about grace that is present. It's about the present grace in our lives. The Israelites had much to be thankful for, but the promises made in Isaiah were pointing to an uncertain future. As he said, in that day, verses 1 and 3, one day, Isaiah prophesies a day of salvation when God rescues, restores, and dwells among his people. In that day, they will see their king dwell among them. Verse 6 says, Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. But in that day, for us, is in this day. God's rescue mission was to send his son so that he might dwell among his people. And the very people who were once exiled, estranged, and separated because of their sins and disobedience have now been led home by the Holy One who come to make his home among them. Isaiah even provides a sign of Emmanuel in these chapters in chapter 7 when he points out, Therefore, the Lord himself will give, a, give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall receive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God came near in his son as Jesus Christ made his dwelling among us. As John declares to us, divine presence is an oft-repeated promise of God. As he says in John 14, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. This is the image of heaven that you and I see. For Revelation 21 simply reminds us, and I he heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. Excuse me. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And I love the imagery of God the Father right after in verse 4, where we are told, at home, our Father will wipe away every tear from our eyes. will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Our God is loving, merciful, and gracious. That day that Isaiah was promising when he will dwell among his people, it is here today in Christ Jesus. How much more reason for us to sing with joy, make known his deeds, proclaim his name, 
and let his marvelous deeds be known in all the earth, wherever the Lord takes us. Brothers and sisters, you have an important task before you. This is not simply about grades. This is not simply about degrees. This is not simply about a break in your life. For whatever reason you find, find yourself here. Here the Lord has called you here. Placed you by his providential care. With a purpose and a mission. That indeed as individuals who have received his grace. Are called upon to worship him in this community. And to proclaim his grace wherever you go. For the Lord's promised salvation and his grace in Christ Jesus. Is here for us. We have seen and witnessed and experienced it. As we begin our new semester, may the Lord remind us of his grace to us as individuals and as community, allowing us to worship him joyfully, thank him, not because the circumstances are always perfect, for the work that you do is arduous, we recognize, and the sacrifices you make are many, yet so many signs of his grace and his outpouring of his provisions for us each and every single day. Don't fixate on those things that are difficult. See and witness the Lord's gracious hand upon you, and that in our classes and where we serve, that we may not only worship him joyfully, thank him, but to proclaim his name relentlessly. May the Lord bless you throughout the semester and the years to come, so that you may be ready and fully equipped by his spirit to proclaim him wherever you go. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. We give thanks to you, O Lord, as many of our fathers and mothers of faith have done so before us. We give thanks not only for your kind provisions, we give thanks not only for your providential care, providing for opportunities that many of us have, We give you thanks not only for the beautiful campus that we have and even the expansion in which many of us enjoy. Sure, there are certainly discomforts and sinfulness among us, no doubt. Yet, O Lord, we abound in thankfulness to you for your kindness to us. We are thankful, O Lord, for the opportunities you give to us for us to study, drink deeply from your word, to interact and learn from one another, and to model ourselves after many of the models that have been set before us. We give you thanks most of all, Lord, for Christ Jesus, who gives us life, whose name we desire to proclaim and exalt on high. Prepare us daily, even now, and throughout the semester and the years to come. Lord, by your Spirit, work within us. Shape our minds and shape our hearts Mold our actions and deeds in such a way, O Lord, that all that we do, both as individual and institution, may bring honor and glory to your name. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.